All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Fernando Flores. Fernando is a certified high-performance coach, attorney, author, lecturer, podcaster, and international speaker. Fernando is the founder of Health and Wellness University, and he is an expert in the areas of occupational burnout and emotional intelligence. Fernando has spoken on these topics across the U.S. as well as internationally in Mexico and India, and he is passionate about helping others reach optimal levels of health and wellness. Through the Health and Wellness University podcast, live events, and coaching, Fernando helps others live happier, healthier lifestyles. Prior to becoming a high-performance coach and international speaker, Fernando spent 11 years as a trial and appellate attorney, and he graduated from UC Berkeley with sociology and rhetoric degrees and earned his JD from UC Davis Law School. He obtained his coaching certification from the Life Coach Institute. Uh, Fernando, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to, to be here. Absolutely. So talk to me about uh, the, the original. Uh, so you're, you're a lawyer, you're a practicing lawyer. Tell me about what eventually led you into getting into like the health and wellness fields. Yeah, that, that's, that's an awesome question <laughs> to get started with. And definitely, uh, you know, the crux of uh, a big, uh, just a big piece of my life, right? And, and why, why it was that ultimately um, I decided to make a shift. And so uh, I think the best place to start is um, when, when, I, when I was getting into the legal profession, when I was, you know, focusing on becoming and an attorney and you know wanting to uh, represent clients and wanting to make the impact that I wanted to as an advocate for others I I really focused on that identity of being an attorney that identity of being a lawyer right and I really for the three years that I was in law school and then up to the seven years the first seven years in, in, in the profession so you know pretty much for like a decade I led with that. And what happened is by placing a high emphasis in that professional identity, by placing, you know, a lot of focus in nurturing that, the human me stayed behind. And there was uh, just not enough that I was doing to take care of myself. And you know, in, in 2015, 2016, I had a, a couple of uh, back-to-back deaths in my family. These uh, awesome men who I loved very much uh, were no longer with me, and it was because of heart disease. And again, that's when I was about six, seven years in the profession, and I really turned the mirror on myself, and I started asking, wait, wait a minute, you know, am I doing everything that I could be to take care of myself? right? Am I doing everything that I could to nourish myself holistically? And the answer was a resounding no. It just, it wasn't. You know, I, I would prepare for these big, uh, you know, presentations in court in front of judges and juries, in front of uh, appellate justices and trials, and um, I would get really stressed in the weeks leading up, right? 
and it's not so much that that the stress was bad in and of itself uh you know toby but it was unmanaged stress over a long period of time that i was experiencing and the way that i was managing it was i was drinking a lot i wasn't exercising sufficiently i wasn't really you know drinking water to stay nurtured right and um not getting adequate sleep and so in combination with all these things i just took a step back and i said you know what i need to do something i need to improve i need to do something better for myself and it was from that period in my life that i then decided to start health and wellness university so what did you decide to do right at that point because i was reading that you you did a, a trip yes yes took so a trip. I did, and, and that was a little bit after actually, but in, in right around uh, that time frame in 2016, it was the first time that I really chose to uh, start with one thing, one small, steady, consistent thing. And it was, it doesn't matter what I have going on in my life, I'm going to exercise two times a week. And, and this, is, this is important because I really hadn't been exercising consistently. You know, maybe I'd go and I'd exercise a little bit and then I'd go months without exercising. And so I met myself where I was at that point in my life. I didn't start to say, okay, I'm just gonna go and exercise every single day because I knew that wasn't going to work based on all the demands, all the expectations and all the pressures that I had. I, I knew that it wasn't. And so I was compassionate with myself. I was accepting of where I was in that point in my life. And I said, two days a week, I can make that happen. I can, I know I can make that happen. Let's commit to that. And I did. And I stayed with it for a good six, seven months, eight months, you know, something along those lines. And then I added another day after it had become a habit, right? And then I added a few years, you know, a few years into it, I added another day and then another day. And then now it's, it's been well over a year that I consistently exercise five days a week, Monday through Friday. That's my time to, to, to exercise. Um, but it started years ago with this just initial commitment. And that commitment focused on my exercise routine really then allowed me to think about, wait, there could be other things that I could do for myself. And so I started journaling, you know, I started making sure that I, 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 you know, drank water consistently, just really going back to the basics, meditating in the morning. So you know, I'm happy to share what my meditation routine looks like. And then uh, really uh, ensuring that I get adequate sleep. And then I also let go of drinking, right? Because with the amount of stress that I was experiencing, I was using alcohol as a stress management tool, which a lot of folks you know, even right now, especially right now, that's been an, an incredibly highly used, you know, resource for folks, right? That uh, for me, I, that's, that's what I used at the time, right? Because I, I just, it was part of my journey, right? But then it, it became something, alcohol, that no longer served me. And so then I was just like, okay, I'm in a different place now because if I drink, I'm not going to be able to commit to my three days a week or four days a week. And that value of exercising has become more important for me. now. So, you know, as I adjusted my values, I also started adjusting my actions and my habits. And I think uh, that's, that's 
you know, uh, those were the different actions that I took. And then eventually, you're right, I, I took a trip, uh, you know, a couple of years after I started those, those new habits uh, to, to India, where I got to travel for six weeks. And it was a, it was a very beautiful experience. So did you notice changes like in your courtroom performance when you started implementing these, these changes to your kind of lifestyle habits? Did you notice like more energy or, or better focus like when you're actually, when it came down to these kind of like high pressure cases that you're talking about? I definitely did. And I, I, I really appreciate that question because it focuses on something that I think, I think uh, everyone to some extent is having some, some issues with because going into a very high stress, fast pace, high pressure situation, okay, whether it's at work or whether it's in your personal life, right? There is this constant undercurrent of emotions. So right now, whoever is tuning in, whoever is listening, right? All of your listeners checking out this particular episode, there's maybe some curiosity or interest or there's some intrigue, right? Uh, maybe, maybe they're listening and, and, and they're, they're just, oh, okay, uh, they're present, you know? But there's always this undercurrent of emotions that we are exchanging nonstop, right? Throughout our day. A lot of us become aware and mindful of the thoughts that are coming up, but we don't always pay attention to the emotions attached to those thoughts. And so, when we go into these high pressure situations, if we're not aware of how the stress is showing up within us, we cannot manage what we cannot see, right? And so if we don't uh, make time to become self-aware and then to be able to act on that self-awareness more importantly, right? Then, then that's when we end up relying on different tools that may not necessarily be healthy to us. I have to tell you, when I used to drink, it was effective. I would, I would, I would not be stressed after several drinks, right? And but it wasn't healthy for me, right? And so that's why I decided to make that shift. And so when I stop letting go of drinking, right? Alcohol tends to stay in your brain for three to seven days at a time after you drink, and sometimes we don't give our brain uh, sufficient rest. And some, you know, there's also some studies that show that in our nervous system, alcohol can stay in our bodies depending on how much we drink for up to a year. And so one of the things that I just started seeing, I was like, wow, I, I, I'm able to sleep better, which naturally causes you to have some awesome extra energy. I'm waking up and I'm drinking water, right? I'm focusing on what I put into my body right away in the morning, which is water, so I can get more oxygen into my brain earlier on in my day which is gonna set the tone for the rest of my day, right? And then also, um, I started developing just a, a, a more powerful set of empowering thoughts so that I, I just, you know, was able to develop a stronger belief in myself, right? And when you do all of that, right, you're, you're walking around, not just more empowered, but just more at ease. Because whatever challenge comes your way, your way, you know that there might be emotions that come up as a result of that challenge, but you're also more trusting of your ability to manage those emotions and not necessarily become fearless in the sense that you don't experience fear, but you're welcoming of the fear because you know how to manage it. 
And so, yes, my performance really started kicking up. I, I, I became one of the, the top attorneys in the government agency that I used to work in. And um, it, it was a lot had to do because I started leading not so much with my professional identity, but with my human identity, just how I was taking care of myself. Does that answer your, your question, Toby? It does. I want to ask a follow-up question related to like, did uh, any of your like fellow colleagues or other people like in the courtroom, did anyone ask you like, hey, are you doing anything different? Did, did people take notice of the changes as you were implementing them? Um, not so much. I mean, this was, this was uh, you know, where, where I used to work, I mean, you're showing up in different courtrooms and different courthouses all the time. So there's no consistency of, you know, the, the, the people who you're seeing. Now, in terms of, of my colleagues, it's, you know, it's, it's possible. I, ne I never really asked, but it was for me, uh, I really became my own first client and it was the impetus for me. It was the, the, the motivation. I was like, wow, these changes are real. These, uh, you know, uh, shifts that are making are having a really positive impact in my life. I want others to have that. I want to motivate others to live with just the greatest levels of fulfillment in their life. I want them to achieve the greatest levels, you know, optimal levels of health and wellness. I, I want people to live with reckless passion and this vitality that maybe they never thought they could live with, you know, and I just became really passionate about that. And, and I still am. It's interesting to, to think like, in a, you know, your profession with, with lawyers, you would think that in, in a job that is so, um, so high pressure and relies so much on, on your cognitive performance, you know, it almost like, you know, it's like an athlete or something that needs to treat their, their physical bodies and their brains, you know, really well in order to like, you know, achieve the most on the field um, or on the court. Like, it seems like, uh, is is that something that is still not really talked about like in your profession like are people still kind of just burning themselves out and and relying on as you're saying you know too much alcohol and, and not getting enough sleep and all this stuff yeah. do you see that yeah it's a, it's it's a, unfortunately it's a trend that continues you know um, attorneys uh, definitely tend to have some of the higher rates of uh, alcohol use, drug use, suicide, depression, you know, anxiety, stress um, of, 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 of many different professions, right? And, and part of that is because a lot of times, you know, if somebody needs an attorney, uh, it's not because everything is fine and dandy. <laughs> it's because there's some issue that they need support with, and it tends to be a very intense issue, right? And that particular client that's the one issue that they're dealing with but you know we don't just deal with one issue at a time we deal with multiple you know sometimes dozens of issues at a time and um there isn't enough discussion of how do we take care of that human us right um and so a, a big uh just a big component of, of health and wellness university focuses on um, teaching folks. And, you know, I started, you know, doing a lot of uh, just presentations, you know, to, uh, to, to law schools and, and different, you know, firms and, and businesses, businesses in the legal profession. But uh, over time, it's just 
the information has really become uh, applicable more broadly, you know, and so we we work with a lot of different uh, professionals from all backgrounds because uh, what what you know I started seeing was that stress management and professional performance um, and really being able to manage and avoid burnout it's something that everyone at some level in, in a different degree is struggling with. And so I feel um, that there wasn't enough discussion about those issues and there still isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the reason why I really, uh, you know, worked on, on, uh, on, 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 on uh, just creating this space where we do talk about things like emotional intelligence as a tool to help us thrive. Tell me about some of the other components of, of Health and Wellness University, because I see on your website, it's listed like you guys do events, there's you guys, you have a podcast, you do coaching, conferences, it sounds like kind of the full, the full gamut. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's really, um, you know, if you're on the website and if you scroll to the bottom, there's like the, the information on the past speakers that have spoken at our conferences, and we have uh the conferences tend to be you know really really popular because we bring in speakers from all sorts of backgrounds uh and it can be you know tv personalities tedx speakers authors doctors um and everybody's coming in to talk about health and wellness and this uh these conferences are on, in august and january right we have them twice a year and we have about 12 speakers at each conference so Every year we have you know 24 different speakers who um, who are coming in to give you the very best in everything related to self love, self acceptance, self empowerment, uh, uh, managing and working through anxiety, you know depression, stress management, occupational burnout, just all sorts of really great topics. You know um, you know just mental health, physical well being. I mean you mentioned it. You know we've had folks also talk about financial well-being, you know, and I love it because I get to continue to learn from <laughs> all the all the speakers every time, but um, that's a really, really important component. Uh, in terms of the podcast, we also have um, just a lot of different topics that, that are focused on different things that, that, you know, can really help us thrive. And so I, you know, I, I encourage everyone to, to check out the, the website, healthandwellness.university. Um, there's no .com. It's just healthandwellness.university, and, um, and just find out more about you know how how health and wellness university can support folks. But those are those are are, are the main components. And then and then there's definitely you know uh, uh, individuals who would like support in reaching those optimal levels of health and wellness, and or uh, just really focusing on on reaching higher levels of performance. And so, you know, we'll work with them one-on-one. -on -one. So, Fernando, you mentioned uh, financial well-being. And that's, it's an interesting one because, you know, a lot of people obviously are, are working really, really hard to, you know, provide for themselves and their families. And we know, you know, in, in psychological studies that, you know, under, I believe it's like $75,000, like as, you know, as you continue making more and more up until that seventy-five. I believe, you know, there's an increasing kind of level of, of happiness, which they kind of, from my understanding, attribute to 
you know, all of your basic needs being met um, financially. And I was just kind of wondering like how you, uh, how you sort of manage that and, and advise people to manage that in terms of, you know, people obviously take it to the extreme and end up getting burnt out by overworking. Um, but it's because they're probably trying to, you know, reach that level of financial freedom and, and security for themselves and their families. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And there's, there's definitely a lot of perspectives on it, but the perspective that, that I take and the, you know, the, the perspective that I encourage others to consider is to really focus on, you know, what, what is your relationship with money? What is, because that relationship can translate into other relationships. And I'll explain to you what I mean, but the, the, you know, there's a lot of times where in my own background, I come from a low income immigrant background, right? And there were a lot of times where I would ask for something and the answer was majority of times, no, you know, we, we, we don't have the funds to, to afford that for you. Right. And so you grow up in this uh, mindset that is more focused on lack, on there not being uh, enough, on there not being enough resources, right? And so it, as you continue and you get older, you know, do you retain that lack mindset, right? And it, couldn't it can show up in, you know, different financial habits that you have, right? You're like, oh no, I'm not gonna take that financial risk. Even though potentially at your age where you are, it could be a necessary risk, an important risk, so that you can continue growing your financial and you know financial abundance, right? But if you instead focus on your mindset and go from a lack mindset to one of abundance, right? And not just focus on having financial abundance, but then start asking yourself, okay, what does money mean to me? And why is it that I want to attract it, right? When you start answering those questions genuinely and you develop that definition of financial freedom that you want to have based on your terms, not the terms that somebody else has had it, like, hey, maybe you've heard financial freedom is $10 million. And so that's what you want to go to. Well, is it, right? Is it? Question that and ask yourself, what, what does it mean to you? You know, I've met people who, you know, make 80, 90, $100,000. They've reached that and they have financial freedom, right? And, and for me, it hasn't become so much about, you know, how much money I want to attract, but rather what kind of person I want to be when I reach my financial goals. And more importantly, I have worked very hard on visualizing that person and bringing them to the present and living from that person every day, right? And so I think it's important to really think about that relationship with money. Do you have a lack or abundance mindset? And why is it that you want to attract money at this point in your life, right? Why those particular numbers? Why those particular goals? And really question that because you, you, can, you can reach and make all the money that you want. But if you don't end up, you know, also reaching this beautiful level of fulfillment, right? And all you're working toward is the end goal. You're going to miss weeks, months, years 
of that beautiful process of the person that you are becoming. So that's the context in which uh, we bring up financial wellness. Does that make sense? It does, it does. I wanna switch gears a little bit. And if you could talk to me about uh, emotional intelligence, I know that's one of the, uh, the topics you listed on your podcast guest page. What is, uh, what is emotional intelligence? If you could just kind of break down your definition of it for the listeners and then kind of what, why is it important? Yeah, uh, so emotional intelligence really focuses on one, our ability to understand and recognize our emotions. That's the self-awareness piece. And then two, really developing the ability to process and manage them in a healthy manner. Okay, you know, folks, um, there's, there's been studies around like, okay, what are the most important soft skills? There was a study last year that LinkedIn did and the top five uh, workplace soft skills were creativity, um, uh, persuasion, collaboration, adaptability, and emotional intelligence took the fifth one. But if you think about it, to be creative, right? To be in a really beautiful creative state, you, you, gotta, you gotta be in, 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 a, in a certain emotional state having awareness of those emotions will lead to a beautiful, happy, upbeat song or a really sad song that a lot of people will connect with, right? It's everything that we do with respect to creativity. Emotions are present. Same thing with persuasion. If I want to persuade you to do something, I got to be aligned with not just my own emotions, but I have to have some sort of read on where you are emotionally. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to persuade you to do anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the same thing with collaboration as well as adaptability. It all requires emotion. So in those top five soft skills, emotional intelligence, being aware of our emotions and then managing them appropriately, it's, it's essential, right? And so um, I tell folks, you know, there's, there's by far many things that I'm, I'm very proud of. In, in my own life journey. But um, one of the, the biggest things that I'm the proudest is learning to use the right emotion in the right way, at the right time, in the right degree, toward the right person. That is incredibly difficult. And even in years and years and years of practice myself, I'm still not perfect at it. I don't know that I'll ever be perfect at it, but I've also learned to love my imperfect self in that journey, you know? And so I think, I think uh, anyone that's up for a true challenge, that's a challenge. How many times have we misdirected our emotions at a loved one or at a colleague, right? And all because of something that we were going through it had nothing to do with them. But if we learn to manage ourselves we're gonna have beautiful relationships with our loved ones, with our partners, with our children, with our family members, with our friends, with our colleagues, you know? And I'm telling you, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to do that, how to connect with yourself, right? And then also connect with others in beautiful ways and loving ways, then what was it all for? Well said. Was, was emotional intelligence at all something that was a component of any of your law school curriculum? Because, you know, when you think about just what, you know, you just mentioned like persuasion. So something that you're obviously trying to influence a jury or judge. Uh, was that something that 
is it all talked about or did you kind of just develop that through your own kind of more personal uh, personal life journey? Yeah, so unfortunately it isn't. It isn't talked about. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, you mentioned in, in, in my introduction, you know, lecturing and I, and I lecture about this, you know, in law school because I think it's just so important for, you know, the future generation of attorneys to, 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 to have that component, for everybody to have that, really, honestly. If we could all just be more emotionally attuned and emotionally aware, more, it will allow us to be more empathetic. And honestly, we'll just be able to have uh, uh, just greater connections with each other, right? And I, I, I agree with you, you know, that there's, there's a lot there that uh, not just folks in the legal profession, but everybody can benefit from. And I think when, when you, for example, um, ask, like one of the things that I, I like to ask folks is like, okay, how often are you able to recognize a specific stress-related emotion within you as it happens? How often are you able to do that? And that's really what's called emotional self-awareness, right? And then naming the specific emotion and being granular about it. You know, that's called emotional granularity. And when you do that, right, the, the anger that you experience from some sort of injustice, that righteous anger is very different than the anger than you're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off. It, it's completely different. Your body, your mind, your spirit, your, your emotions have different mechanisms by which to manage. There's like actually 10 different types of anger, right? And so um, they, they each have their own set of management mechanisms, right? And so that's when you get into what's called uh, uh, CIRA, strategic emotion regulation ability, which is our processes that come up to work through those emotions. So when you are able then to, you know, the second part of that is how often are you able to recognize when external circumstances affect your emotional state? That's when, that's when you know, these strategic responses kick in to help you manage. So for example, for a long time, I would have like this eye twitch and I never paid attention to it. And I was just like, oh, I have to go and work and I have to do this. And I never paid attention to it. And when I started learning about just like emotional intelligence, you know, through my own research and my own studying and my own just self growth and training, and I started to go really all into it, I ended up seeing how that was a fingerprint of the stress that I was experiencing. It looks different for everybody. For some folks, it's neck pain, back pain, upper back, lower back, you know, uh, shoulder pain. Uh, it could be migraines, but stress shows up in different ways for everybody. If we don't pay attention to that and we disregard it, you know, um, that's when stress becomes unmanaged and can lead to occupational burnout. Emotional intelligence helps us manage that earlier on so that even if we experience stress, because stress is in and of itself, it doesn't have to be bad. It's not bad, right? It allows us to accomplish a particular goal. But when it becomes unmanaged chronic stress, that's when it can lead to occupational burnout. Tell me for, for people who uh, are wanting to cultivate more emotional intelligence, uh, what, what other kind of uh, practices or, or tricks would you, would you tell them? I would start with this one question. Why do you feel what you feel when you feel it? 
and it's actually a three-part question. <laughs> so what do you feel, what, when, uh, why do you feel what you feel when you feel it? Usually the, the easier questions tend to be, you know, uh, what, what is it that I'm feeling? Okay, I'm feeling angry, or I'm feeling upset, or I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, even you can do it on the other end too. I'm feeling joyful, or I'm feeling irritable, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling impatient. All right, so pay attention to that. Capture that, you know, take a selfie with that emotion, all right? So you take a selfie, then take a look at that picture, that image. When is it that I'm feeling this? Oh, I'm feeling impatient, you know, in the line of getting my coffee at Starbucks uh, because I actually have an appointment that I'm running late to. So anytime there's a long line, and I need to get to an appointment right after, I feel really impatient, probably irritable and frustrated all at the same time. All right, and why is it that I feel like this? Because if I don't make it to my appointment on time, I'm gonna be perceiving myself as not dependable and probably my colleagues are gonna do that too. All right, you've identified all of that. What can you do? I mean, I don't know, Toby, do you have any thoughts on what you can do in that, that situation? Yeah. I would think trying to rewrite the script as far as what your colleagues might think or assume that maybe your colleagues are in line at a different Starbucks also running late. Exactly. Those are the first couple of things that come to mind. And those are great, right? But if you don't have the awareness and you don't, you don't answer those questions, you are not even able to provide those excellent options. Or you know what? You know what? This is... I might be late this time. It's okay. You might not, right? In this present moment, you're still not late. It could be that the line moves forward really fast and you end up getting there on time, right? But next time, if you do end up arriving late, just say, you know what? All right. How can I use this as an opportunity to learn? Because I felt impatient and irritable. And those are emotions that I, I don't necessarily want to be living from anymore. So I'm going to leave earlier next time and really owning your responsibility in all of it, that you know what, you pushed it, you pushed it. And you know, and you, you went in the last minute that you could to, to try to get your coffee, which you know you need and you want, right? And, and it, it ended up causing you to, to, to be late, but owning your responsibility and seeing how you can grow and learn and make it better for next time, it's also part of it. And it all relates to that self-awareness around emotional intelligence. So that question, I would ask it to myself multiple times a day. And I was just kind of capturing those emotional selfies left and right, just <laughs> trying to see and, and figure out what are those scripts that are coming up. And it was a very powerful tool. What about for, you know, sort of interpersonal stress? Like say if using that example, say you arrive late to the office and, you know, say you're, you know, doing okay at that point, but then your boss, you know, notices, maybe calls you out in front of everyone. And so how do you sort of work on, on deflecting that uh, when, when other people kind of project their own, you know, irritability or, or emotional dysregulation at you? Well, that's, that's a very, uh, Unfortunately, you know, whether it's with your boss or just anyone else that we interact with, that, that happens a lot, right? 
not, uh, not everybody knows how to manage their own emotional states. And as a result, they end up misdirecting them. That's why I say, you know, using the right emotion at the right time and the right degree towards the right person, right? It's, it's really challenging. And so when, when you end up getting criticized at work, right, that situation ends up creating a whole set of thoughts, emotions, behavior, and physical reactions. So if you get criticized like, hey, you know, you're super late, you suck, this is the worst, I never had anyone be so late, You've, you're the person that's been the latest in the history of being late, you know, and it's just like, they're just frustrated as a result of something they're going through in their life, but they take it out on you. So what happens to you internally is, oh man, I'm not good enough. That's the thought. Emotionally, you feel maybe worthless or nervous or anxious then you, your body maybe starts feeling some reactions, you know, either a fire in your belly or you lose some appetite or you, you feel tired, something will come up. And what do you do? Maybe you end up isolating yourself. That's your behavior, right? You, you start avoiding contact with others because you're just feeling down on yourself. In those situations, it's really important to, again, do the self-awareness piece, right? And understand what your boundaries are. If, if, if your, your boss told you something in a way that was you know, disrespectful, that wasn't adequate and appropriate, you know, really, really thinking about how are you going to you know, empower yourself and bring this up and say, hey, you know what, uh, thank you for the feedback. I appreciate it. Uh, at the same time, I just, I, I didn't appreciate how, how it was said. Because a lot of times it's not so much what is said but how it's, how it's said that really ends up impacting us. And so it could be that you might not be ready to respond as soon as it happens, but it could be that after you take some time, you reflect, you recollect, you regather yourself, you can then respond instead of react. Because a lot of times what happens is we react, right, to... Uh, that misdirected set of emotions that we received. But learning how to respond is really the key. It's really what makes you stand out, uh, you know, just in any situation, right? And so I think that would be my recommendation. Learn to respond, not react, and learn to manage yourself and get yourself to a place where you can empower yourself to, to bring up those situations where your boundaries may have been crossed. Well, Fernando, we're coming up onto the end of the show. Anything that uh, you'd like to still discuss, anything that we'd missed just in this whole discussion on emotional intelligence and well-being and, and any, anything that you think is important for the listeners to know that we haven't yet talked about? I, I think we covered a, a very, very awesome spectrum. I think, I think, what I would say is, um, you know, regardless of what you have set out to do in this lifetime, regardless of the goals that you would like to accomplish, um, make sure that at every point they are genuinely your own and that you are not just connected to them, you know, those goals, those dreams, those aspirations. Make sure that you are not just connected to them with your mind, but also with your heart. For a very long time, you know, even growing up, I recall, you know, being told as a young man, hey, don't cry or don't show this emotion, don't show that emotion. 
and I, I grew up with a much more limited spectrum of emotional availability. And I had to rewire that. I had to turn that around. It was part of the reason too why I became so passionate about emotional intelligence because I saw the awesome benefits that it had in my own life. And when you make sure that you connect your mind and your heart towards that goal, that dream, that aspiration, you do become unstoppable, right? It doesn't mean that you won't experience stress, fear, or even challenging circumstances in your life, but it means that you will just be that much better at overcoming them and reaching really awesome, beautiful levels of fulfillment in your life. Awesome. Well, Fernando, uh, it was really awesome having this discussion with you today. If the listeners also enjoyed it, where would you direct them to, to find out uh, more about your work, uh, Health and Wellness University? Definitely. And um, just go to healthandwellness.university. You know, you can contact us there. You can email us. You can call us. All all our information is available on there. You can check out the podcast from there. You can check out the next events. And then also, if folks are interested in checking out the past events, we have a Health and Wellness University members area that, you know, it's, it's uh, folks can purchase and access and all the past, uh, you know, recordings of those events are available on there so that you can get started somewhere. The goal is for you, just get started somewhere. And you already have started because, you know, you're, you're listening to, to this awesome podcast. And so if you want to continue your, your journey and continue growing and reaching that next level you, that's another resource. Great, great. Yeah, highly recommend you guys check it out. And for those who did enjoy the show, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel or Roscoe's Wetsuit. And you can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else that audio podcasts are available. Fernando, again, thank you so much for coming on Roscoe's Wetsuit today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and uh, wishing you a great day. You and your listeners a great day.